Welcome to the Signature Grow the Game podcast. I'm your host, Dan Soviero, and today we're going to dive into the world of youth sports and speak with leaders who are making an impact in their communities. From coaches to program directors and beyond, we'll explore the latest trends, issues, and solutions in the world of youth sports. But before we get started, we'd like to give a shout out to our title sponsor, Signature Athletics. Their game-changing team swag stores are designed to make youth and travel sports programs feel like the big leagues. If you like what you hear on the podcast, please take a moment to leave us a review and subscribe so that you never miss an episode. All right, welcome to the Signature Grow the Game podcast. I'm your host, Dan Soviero, founder of uh, Signature Athletics. And today I've got special guest, Mr. Chad Love. Uh, Chad is a longtime friend, so I'm really excited to get started with him. He's a uh, Florida icon and uh, the founder of Stags Lacrosse, uh, a club program over in South Orlando that's uh, helping to really grow the game. So, Chad, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You want to give a little background on uh, kind of your journey and and some of the stuff you've done in the sport? Yeah. Yeah. We could start, uh, we can go back home, um, kind of where we both grew up. Um, my, my, my journey started later than most. I didn't start playing lacrosse until ninth grade summer. So I was a little late to the party. Um, but I had played football and soccer in high school. Um, and then lacrosse was the third sport that I kind of picked up. My big brother was playing. He had started super late. And just kind of like always, little brother, whatever my brother can do, I'm going to be better than him at it. Um, so that was kind of what I wanted to do. And then then I met a lot of folks up in Jupiter when I kind of moved up there with my, my sister's dad living up there, got introduced to it more and just kind of fell in love with the sport, found success really early just, you know, by being a good athlete. So kind of used that and was hanging out with some of our mutual buddies that were just total lacrosse, you know, rats as you'd say, and they got me hooked to it, um, which really was, was a game changer for me. It really changed my life totally because, um, you know, I would say prior to that, I didn't really have all these aspirations to go to college. You know, most most of my family, most of the Love family down south is all, all tradesmen, carpenters, landscapers, stuff like that. So it's kind of my future didn't really involve going to school. I didn't really see that far ahead. And then um, I think when I got around a lot of the lacrosse kids and that culture of person is just geared more towards college. Their parents are, you know, probably more affluent, you know, they just, they all are workers and whatnot. So, you know, hanging around a lot of those families, the conversation started to be, Hey, you know, you're pretty good. You should think about trying to play in college, you know? And I think, um, freshman summer, Chad, just hearing that is like, Oh man, that's awesome. You know, let's do that. So I kind of got glued to it and just bought in totally and, and just went full, full on and, um, started playing lacrosse in the summers, played fall, winter, spring as much as I possibly could. And I think that's probably right around the same time you and I met. Yeah. Yeah. And so for everybody listening, um, Chad's a, a couple years older, like three or four years older than me. And, uh, when he, him and the group that he's talking about really started to get going, um, all the little brothers, which I was included in also started to get going. And, um, because of that, we just ended up becoming really, really close friends. And I've always looked to Chad as kind of like an older brother mentor. And um, one of my favorite stories with Chad is I, I wasn't I was a big football guy. I thought growing up in South Florida, 
I'm going into the NFL, like every uh, South Florida kid thinks. And um, at the time I was in eighth grade and I, or seventh or eighth grade, and I was the same size I am now. I was like 5'10", and I weighed like 170, 180 pounds. So I thought, man, I got a size advantage. I'm going to dominate. This is great. And then you get to high school in Florida, and it's just like a total game changer. Like we were in the biggest division, and we played Chad School, and they've got their whole starting line is going Division One, and they're like they've got ten offers, and they're like six four two eighty of just pure muscle. And so um, I really indexed hard towards lacrosse after that, and and ended up um, finding kind of the group of guys that I wanted to be more like when I was older. And Chad was one of those guys, so. Um, super fortunate to to grow up in the area and kind of follow in Chad's footsteps there. Man, I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, dude, the plug. But yeah. then it's funny too because you end up going up to NYIT, right? Yep. To tech. Yeah, yeah. And then I end up going to St. John. So we both go up to New York to play in college. And then you transfer to St. Leo and I transfer to University of Tampa. So and then you go coach in Orlando and I coach in Tampa. So we've kind of followed yeah. each other around and no, uh, sure. they're pretty cool. It's been pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, I think, you know, you and I were pretty, I think most most of the people in Palm Beach County, you know, we were kind of like, I would say growing up, we didn't really realize like that, wow, until you get a little bit older, I think maybe our junior, senior years, you start to realize like, man, you know, South Florida, Palm Beach County specifically is like the hotbed of lacrosse, you know, and, and we were just... I mean, I can't think of the amount of coaches that we've both been coached by, but, you know, you got Loftus and O'Hara that are still involved at Jupiter, you know, both you and I, and those guys are legends. And then I had coach Heidi, um, you know, and coach Rye at Dwyer that unbelievable coaches, you know, and you were just surrounded no matter where you looked, you had these coaches that played at high college levels. Some of them played pro, you know, just some of them legends in the lacrosse, you know, world. And we just had those guys at our fingertips coaching us from, you know, youth and through high school. You just don't really get that in a lot of places in Florida. Yeah, I think we were super, super fortunate to be born and and raised where we were. So now fast forward to uh, like five or so years ago and you get involved with LCL, Lacrosse Club Orlando, which for everybody listening is the largest club program in Florida, hands down, and has been around for 15 plus years since we grew up playing. I think they were the possums, right? And then they. Yeah, the possums existed. I know the possums existed. Um, LCO probably started, I think. I think now we're, we just, I think we just finished our 12th season. And I think I came on board uh, in the third or fourth season, something like that. Um, but I had moved to Orlando. I got a pre, I got a project manager job at the time. Now, now I'm a pre construction manager, but um, I moved there. Really wasn't super involved in lacrosse, but I had uh, some friends that uh, my buddy Tanner, he played at JU. He's a local Orlando guy. And he said, hey, man, what are you doing? You should play lacrosse again. Come play with us. Like, you're a good player. So I actually got introduced to Hogtown first, which is a men's lacrosse team that's in the the men's Florida lacrosse league that's been around since, like, the 70s, impressively, in Florida. And um, that led to me meeting Danny Hogan, who's one of the founders of LCO. Um, and also then, a local Florida legend. Also a local Florida legend. There's, there's To this day, there's only three uh, lacrosse numbers retired at Lake Brantley, and and two of them are Bernhardt's, and uh, one of them is, is Danny Hogan. So that's a, it's a pretty impressive feat. I'm sure 
the younger Bernhardt will be joining them very soon. So there will be four. Yeah, it's pretty good company. Um, but he, he led me, Danny led me to uh, meeting his business partner who crazy enough, I already knew was Gary Robinson. But, you know, when I knew Gary Robinson, he was coach Robinson to me, but I actually played for him back in his goal over days when he was down in Miami. Um, we had met through that. So it just immediately we kicked it off and, you know, anyone that knows Coach Robinson, you know, he just, he wants everything out of everyone, you know, as much as she can get out of you, he's going to get it. And that's from a player and coach's perspective. So, you know, it kind of started off me helping out here and there. And then I think my first season with Lake Mary, it was like, yeah, just come out when you can. And then, um, you know, as I kind of grew as a coach, it just became like, hey, we need you here six days a week. You know, yeah. it felt like it was a second job, but in, in all the best ways. I mean, that's, it, it was yeah. awesome. And um, kind of as I grew, I think I've been with LCO now and I'm a, I'm a director with them, but I think I've been there for maybe eight years now. I think it is something like that. So, um, you know, it's been a great experience and it's a great program to, to be involved. Awesome. In. Yeah. I forgot coach Gary was down there. Yeah. The king yeah. of the cargos. That guy keeps sunblock companies in business. <laughs> 100%. you, you come back to Orlando, you're coaching, you're playing in the men's league. And at the time, I think the only relevant program in Orlando from a high school perspective is Lake Highland, the private, uh, prep school. And really other than that, like the public schools aren't very good at the time. Jupiter High, yeah, Winter, 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 Park, Winter Park's up, up and down. Winter Park, up and down. Winter okay. Park had their years where they made it. There was a Winter Springs back when we were in high school had like two years where they were really, really good. Um, then they disappeared. And then Bishop Moore, where Danny Hogan was actually the coach of Bishop Moore when we were in high school, they had their years as well. But I think the the consistent team was definitely like statewide powerhouse out of Orlando was, was Lake Highland at the time for sure. So how have you seen over the last like 10 years or 12 years? I think LCO is one of those like really unique uh, travel program models that actually prioritizes like the growth of the game and, and is able to do that in a really cool way. How have you seen that? And I'd love to dive into that a little bit, but also I'd like to touch on like, how have you seen that grow the area and the competition in the area to the point where now I think Orlando is one of the more competitive areas in Florida? Yeah, no, for sure. And like 100%, I feel the same way. I mean, we're, I think last year, I mean, if you look at just the regionals now, especially now that so many teams are, you know, they've changed the format a bit. So it's not just get out of your district. It's, hey, you're ranked in the, you know, top 16, you can advance uh, to playoffs and, and, because of that, you're seeing the amount of, I mean, I think Trinity Prep last year. So out of that private school district in Orlando, I think Lake Highland, Montverde Academy, and Bishop Moore, and maybe even Trinity Prep, I think made playoffs last year, or Trinity maybe just missed it, which four teams out of the district is just unheard of, you know, but that's because of how strong, you know, Orlando lacrosse is right now. And it's, you know, from, from our perspective, you know, I, I was at Lake Mary. Now I'm transitioning to Lake Highland. But, um, you know, at Lake Mary, we look at certain teams and it's like even in a, a year where we might overlook a Lake Brantley or overlook an Oviedo because for us, it's not super competitive, you know, in that particular season. Those teams are still, you know, in the top 20 in the state, which is just it's crazy. Amazing. You know? Yeah. So it's, it, it's pretty cool. 
you know, but it's, it is a challenge for those teams because I think a lot of times those parents and those kids, they may feel like, you know, Hey, we're not up to snuff. We're not a very good team because they're going and they're playing Lake Highland and winter park and Lake Mary. Well, you know, last year, Lake Highland, Lake Mary and winter park were all in the final four, you know? So, yeah. So, you know, it's just a different level of lacrosse at that point. And, um, you know, those teams, the few teams around, you know, like Timber Creek and, and Windermere and like some of those schools that are still, you know, they're very good teams, but they just don't, you know, I hear it from the parents and stuff sometimes and and they don't feel like they're there. And I'm like, man, you, if you traveled the state to play games, you would find an undefeated season. No problem. You know, yeah. it's just once you get into that top 15 teams, now you're playing serious ball games, you know? So talk, talk a little bit about like how, LCO is structured and how that's led to promoting the youth programs to get all these high school programs to a competitive level. That's like pretty right. top 20. Yeah. And, and I, I think so. One thing that I really, really loved when I came on board, it was, I think it was Danny's thing. He was, you know, you see a lot of the club programs that are big on the helmets and big on this and whatever. Um, and jerseys, you know, Danny's big thing, like from day one, when I got there is like, man, we will reuse these jerseys multiple times, you know, until we have to replace them. You know, we don't do team helmets. We don't do team gloves. Like this is a development program for regional lacrosse. We've got a space during the summer for any player, right? We're going to put you on the right team for you to get better, for you to develop. You know, if you're one of these kids that's looking to play college lacrosse, hey, we have an elite level team for you that's going to play in the elite level divisions and you're going to get 14 practices with great, the best varsity coaches in Orlando. Um, and we work with all of them, which helps too. But it's that mentality, I think, of like, hey, it's not, you know, yeah, we have LCO on our jersey, but we want to see you wearing your high school helmet and representing, you know, if you do play for a national club team, like, sure, wear that helmet, wear this. Like, we don't care about that. We're here to develop and support and grow what we have here in Orlando. And I think that mentality is always been really successful. And it's a big reason, you know, I'll say the one thing, you know, beyond that is that we don't do stuff in the fall. We do one special thing that we do in the winter. Um, we take a couple teams over to the, the Naples event because it's a recruitment opportunity that um, a lot of not, not a lot of the national clubs do. So it's an opportunity for us to take kids over there that, you know, are at that level. But other than that, I mean, we really shut it down. We might do a training camp or like the skill session for kids in the fall and winter. But for the most part, we know that the high school coaches specifically want to operate with their kids in the fall, winter, and the spring, obviously the spring at the high school level. But, um, you know, as that trickles down, it's the rec program. So it's like you get into a situation where with LCO, if it would, would parents want it and do parents ask for it? Sure. You know, Hey, why don't you guys do programming in the fall and winter? Like, because we want to support the rec programs that are out there. And, and the re reality is, you know, a lot of our most qualified coaches are either coaches of the college programs, you know, like Embry-Riddle and, and Rollins. We, we have a few guys from those staffs that coach with us um, or all the, the head varsity coaches and varsity assistants. We have them. The fall and winter, you, you cannot get those guys. And obviously in the spring, you can't get as much out of them, you know, as you can in the summer. So our yeah. product, what we offer just really wouldn't be there. So it's best for the game of lacrosse, in my opinion. Um, you know, if you allow and support these rec programs and try to help them flourish, you know, and Gary does a great job of that. Like, you know, obviously LCO being a pretty big name and whatever, 
people will move to the area and uh, they'll email LCL and they'll say, Hey, you know, we're, we're new to the area. We're from Houston or we're from wherever we're, we're looking for a lacrosse program to play. Can you, you know, give us the lay of the land. And immediately, you know, Gary's like, well, where do you live? Okay. You live in Wintermere. Well, we're going to set you up. Here goes, you know, the, the West Orange outlaws. This is their program. They're the closest option for you. And and it's a proximity thing, right? Like just like for other youth sports, you know, parents don't want to travel 30 minutes plus for a sport, yeah. you know, it's probably on the upper end. They get out of work and they got to drive their kid 30, 40 minutes probably not going to happen. You get to an hour, it's definitely not going to happen. And it's especially not going to happen for, you know, somewhat of a, a boutique sport that parents don't know, you know, and that's, that's kind of what I see the most, you know, obviously I have my own rec program. Um, that's the biggest difference for me, I would say than any other sport, because um, from a, from a parent dynamic, if you don't know lacrosse, you know, you're not going to force your kid to do lacrosse, you know, yeah. and, and kids these days are very easily like, number one, they, they like to say no, they, they enjoy getting their parents or disagreeing with their parents. So, you know, you have a parent that, of course, everyone knows football and baseball and soccer. So when the kid probably says, oh, I don't want to do soccer, you know, the parents like, I understand this sport, you're going, you know what I mean? Whereas with lacrosse, we're like, oh, he's ready to quit. Okay, let's let him quit. You yeah. know, and um, yeah. you see a lot of that. Yeah, and it's it's interesting. So for everybody listening that isn't in the lacrosse space or or for those in the lacrosse space that are kind of understanding this model a little bit, um, the, the travel space in lacrosse typically operates a summer season and a fall season. And yeah. what's unique about LCO's model is that you guys only do the summer season and then you right. actually invite the high school coaches and help the high school coaches and the youth programs to offer their own version of a travel program in the fall to lead into their spring season. So it's kind of like a preparation into their spring seasons, right? Yeah, exactly. So at every high school, high school, I mean, so you kind of have feeder programs is what we would refer to as the rec programs here in Orlando. I mean, central Florida is a pretty big, you know, blanket, but, um, the feeder programs feed the high school, the high school programs in the fall and winter, you know, they operate as a club, like, like most programs do um, statewide, you know, but um, that's their way of gearing it up at the rec program. A lot of these things are, are established already, you know, and have been, but it'd be very, um, you know, a lot of clubs, you could come in and LCO can decide tomorrow, Hey, we're going to start doing fall and winter, you know, and it would have traction, right? We, we have, I don't know how many kids over the summer, but, well over 300 kids in our program over yeah. the summer, you know, so yeah, we, we could, we could run that through the fall and winter, but it would absolutely kill the rec programs, you know, cause now you're going to get these parents that are deciding like, you know, and it, and it's what kills the rec programs the most is like, say you got a seventh, eighth grade team, which we call seniors teams here in Orlando and our yeah. rec, league. we have a very, very good rec league. Um, if I have 25 kids and 10 of them decide that they're going to go do this LCO, regional program and now I'm stuck with 15 and three don't show up to some practices and maybe one game I only have 10 well those kids are going to have a bad experience that year maybe they don't play lacrosse the next year so you know just them taking a few kids can really kill my program quickly and we've seen that in other areas and in other sports where it doesn't just kill that one team and that one season's experience, but it ends up actually completely killing the program. And then right. 
you run into that issue at the high school level and you start to see some some of the high school programs start to actually get oh, for sure. get killed. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think one of the things that's just been super cool to watch from the outside looking in and being over here in Tampa and, and growing up down in South Florida is like how Gary and Danny have taken their ego out of it and actually uh, empowered these high school programs and these youth programs to operate and not don't, they don't feel like threatened by it. They like, they want it to happen because they know how valuable it is for the sport overall. Right. And you know, it's funny as you say that, I mean, there's definitely, you know, I would say there in Orlando, I think the um, probably the parents are, it's one of those things, you know, it's like when you're in an environment, you don't realize whether it's good or bad, you know? And I think that goes both ways. Like, you know, you could speak to one of these areas that like, maybe a model like this would be fantastic for them and it would help the growth. And, you know, maybe just out of being short-sighted, people can't see that like, Hey, it's going to take three or four years, but let some rec programs pop up, let let these grassroots things happen that are putting sticks in hands. Um, But then the reverse side of that is here in Orlando, you know, you see a lot of rec programs and other things that like, you know, we're, we're kind of, I don't want to say we're constantly battling or whatever, but you know, there's, there's constantly programs trying to launch in Orlando and, and trying to be national, you know, role, you know, stuff here that's doing fall winter. And, you know, we're constantly fighting the good fight. And a lot of parents don't realize that, you know, like that we're, we're hard to see as a parent. It's really hard to see as a parent. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you get to a level too, like where some parents, their kids get better or whatever. And they, they kind of start, start to lose sight of how valuable these rec programs are. So, you know, you'll see, I yeah. couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. You see that the parent who doesn't remember that their kid was a first year player at one yeah. point and that their kid played on a team with a lot of guys or girls that were a lot better than them. And right. those kids didn't just say, like, go play on another team or like, we're going to go to this travel team that you can't make. They they met the kid where he was at and helped him get to where he is now. And you did that for me, like right. And then I felt yeah. like I had to do it for the next generation. And that generation hopefully felt like they had to do it for the next generation. But somewhere along the way, over the last ten years, it's it's gotten lost in some areas. That feeling of being responsible for handing the same experience down to the next generation and pulling them up. Yeah, and it's kind of like that that old saying, you know, like all it takes is one weak link for a chain to break. Right. So it's kind of like for us, it's like the stronger rec programs that we have in Orlando from an LCO model. Like, yeah, sure. We're not running a, you know, a business and and not, you know, we are a very inexpensive regional program, but you know, it is a business at the end of the day, but yeah, if we wanted to operate in the fall and winter and do these things, like could more money be made? Sure. But at the end of the day, that's going to damage the rec programs and, you know, short-sighted vision would say, Hey, let's make that money. But the long side of vision is like, let's do what we can to support these rec programs and this rec league to make it better and better every year and more successful. Because now come summertime, we have the biggest pot of, of t- talented players coming from these rec programs at the youth level and then yeah. coming from these high school programs, you know? Yeah. And it's really cool how now looking back that you've been in it for eight years and the yeah. program around for 12 years. You can really see it on a, a time span where it's it's unequivocally like it's there. It makes sense. It works. It's the, no one can debate it because uh, you guys just won the state championship as a public high school, which is right. really hard to do. Um, yeah. And now staying true to that, you've launched your own 
youth rec program in an area that was super underserved, South Orlando, uh, yeah. called the Stags, which, by the way, is one of the coolest names and coolest logos in lacrosse. Go Stags. Um, so tell me about that process and, and how Danny and Garrick and, and you as a director of LCO were able to stay true to those values and to that, that model that you guys believe in and how they, they actually empowered you to do Stags. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll give uh, Danny credit for the Stag's name. Um, if it wasn't if it wasn't for Danny, we were going to be the the Golden Frogs. So, thank, thank you, Danny. <laughs> um, yeah, thank you, Danny, for that. It would have been brutal. Our program probably would have went belly up after the first year. But uh, but yeah, Dan, Danny, his wife Colleen said no, <laughs> and Danny Colleen came up with is also a legend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so Stag's just made way more sense. Um, you know, in, in South Orlando, you know, basically the schools that we have down there is uh, Lake Nona High School, who's had, a, you know, a tremendous amount of success lately. Um, we've we've had some studs come out of there. They're they're kind of a little hidden school that, you know, has just produced, you know, two or three good players every single year. And and a bunch of them are playing at the college level right now, which is, is pretty exciting. And then um, Boone High School is kind of where we run our operation out of for LCO and then um, Timber Creek which is just, you know, a factory for numbers of players. I mean, it's just Timber Creek's kind of like Abacoa for us. You know, yeah. it's just a super jam-packed area. There's kids everywhere. You know, if one kid gets a lacrosse stick, three get them. So um, it's just a perfect, you know, our location with Stags is like in a perfect area for these three different cultures for sure. I mean, completely different kids, but great kids, great families, um, and there was just something missing. There just wasn't a program there. There wasn't, we can, if we got the time, I'll dive into some of the issues with starting a program. But, uh, one, one of the biggest issues was fields. I mean, there's just, there's probably a lot of people out there that want to get involved and want to start their program and want to start coaching and just can't get access to fields. So, I mean, I had to go to, uh, I went to County board meetings, you know, where I was like getting close to tears talking to these people because, you know, I just felt very strongly. I said, look, you know, soccer was basically taking all the fields, which I said, look, I don't have a problem with soccer taking off the fields. If every single kid in the world wanted to play soccer, right? Who I care about is the the 20 kids that are sitting at home because they don't have access to a sport that might actually, you know, give them butterflies and get them going, right? Which yeah. all know lacrosse is referred to as the medicine game. And I can't tell you how many kids I've given a stick to and their parents have been like, and these aren't even kids that are bad athletes or whatever. They're good athletes a lot of times that just don't have interest in soccer. They don't have interest in baseball. And then all of a sudden you let them throw the ball in the net and score a goal. And they're just like, I want to play lacrosse, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, so for me, that that was kind of the passion behind it. It was like, there's kids that are sitting at home, not active, just, you know, becoming obese or whatever it is, you know, and just missing out on this opportunity because we can't have fields within, you know, a decent distance to them. So yeah. I fought the good fight. Um, luckily, we had some lacrosse parents that had connections with the county, um, helped us get in. And now we've locked down these fields and they, they've been very, very good to us. They don't always give us the, the best day of the week, but we get, we get, you know, at least two days a week pretty much year round, which is huge for us. And um, so that, that was the biggest challenge to get in. And then beyond that, obviously money, right? Um, you know, I've, yeah. people, people always look at it and think, man, rec lacrosse, like, look at you, Chad, like you're probably making money off this. And it's, you know, the they funny thing no is, idea. They they have have no idea, idea. Man. I've, I've lost so much money. I've, yeah. I've got like $3,000 of uniforms behind me that 
(laughs) got paid back and you know balls are expensive cages are expensive and you know uh one thing that i'm super involved in is is the college kids coming back and playing so a lot of kids now that i've coached that are graduated from college back home work and they come and coach for me with stags and we've got a tremendous coaching staff i mean we have like eight guys there that played you know anywhere from d1 d2 level across um and are just great coaches the kids interact with them so well but how do you get a 25 year old to, you know, get off work and come to a practice? You got to pay them, you know, that's the only way money, money talks. And that's how I was when I was that age as well. So, um, you know, unfortunately I, I would say, I think now we're getting to a point with stags where there's actually enough dollars coming in to budget this stuff and work out. And we've, we've had some parents become sponsors, but, um, you know, it, it's a grind for sure. It's, it's not easy. And it's, it, and it, it has to be, I think one thing that is lost on some people is that it has to be set up in a way that's really sustainable from an yeah. economic standpoint, because you could be the most passionate guy in the world, but eventually your bank account's going to run dry. Like yeah. Nobody's made of money. So right. it, it has to be set up in a way where not, not to be super profitable, but to be at a level where these kids can rely on the program being around year over year right. over year. And yeah. I think that's, a hard thing sometimes for parents looking from the outside in when they're comparing, well, you know, lacrosse to play rec lacrosse might cost $300 for a season where soccer might cost a hundred. There's a big difference, you know, and, and it's, it's tough to um, it's tough to understand like the player to coach ratio in a game like lacrosse or a game like hockey is so much more important than the player to coach ratio in a game like soccer. And right. just like you, that cost, that adds a lot of cost to the, and yeah. then the player to field ratio. Right. And balls. Another, <laughs> yeah. And balls and yeah. equipment and everything else. So, yeah. uh, but I think this is a really good segue. Um, two things I wanted to touch on first, the the concept of these youth programs and, and investing in the 10 year journey with the youth programs and really taking that long vision so similar so many correlations to you fighting for these fields where the city's looking at well where do i have a bird in the hand versus putting kids in like giving an opportunity to a group of kids that are going to now get to experience the power of sports which over a 10 15 year period is going to make the whole freaking world better the whole world's going to be better because now people know how to be on a team know how to operate like it's just it the, what you learn in sports takes you so much further in life than just what you what you do on the field. Oh, for sure. I think it prepares you for life. And, and lacrosse, was, you know, I would say you could probably agree. But for me, lacrosse, 100 percent, because it's there's situations where all 10 guys are working together, you know, on one field. And and even if you're not that guy, maybe you're on the bench and you've got a responsibility to pay attention and learn from, you know, what's going on on the field. So it's a little, you know, whereas football, it's like every time you get on the field, you're kind of understanding your, your role, you know, you have your individual role, you know, baseball, similar thing. I mean, you can play, I could, I can go play third base and and not touch a ball the entire day and have, you know, five opportunities to hit a ball and maybe hit it once, you know, and it's like, wow, did I really play, did all that hard work that I put in and all these things, did that really play a big role and all that yeah. practice, you know? So um, yeah, the reliance, yeah. It's an interesting point you're making. Lacrosse is one of those sports where to be successful, you have to rely on your teammates for any given yeah. play. Right. Versus like a baseball where you could be a superstar 
and you could win a game for your team because you can just hit the crap out of the ball and you can pitch really well and that's all you need. So yeah, it's a really interesting point. Um, I think this is a good segue into like what the, the signature sauce, what were the one to three big needle moving ideas? And maybe it was challenges that you had like the field space um, and how you solve those to be able to grow the Stags program um, to be a formidable presence in the uh, South Orlando area. Right. So we uh, we pretty much started at zero. Um, there was a program previously there and there was another program kind of in the Timber Creekish area. The Timber Creek one had went away. They were completely gone. The um, the one in the Boone area would, had, you know, the reason really was approached me by the high school coach at the time, uh, Coach Hockheimer, who just moved down to Key Largo to be closer to his wife's family. But he, um, he said, Hey, Chad, man, can you help me out here? Like, I don't have the time, you know, my wife's pregnant. I don't have the time to start a program, but I also only have three kids left in this youth program because all the parents that were in this program, you know, their kids have since graduated high school and they were the driving forces behind it. And, um, I think parents in sports are huge because nobody can rally the troops better than the parents that are friends with everyone. But I think if you make that the backbone of your program, it's only going to exist as long as those parents are, you know, still involved in lacrosse, you know, and, and maybe they become great coaches and they, they dive in for 20 years, but a lot of times that's not the case. Yeah. And I think even building on that and thinking about the last 10 years, there's been a massive shift in the U S from a single person in a household being the person earning to a dual income household. So, and now when mom is working and dad's working, the last thing that they want to do at the end of the day, after they woke the kids up, took them to school, worked all day, picked the kids up, they drive them to practice. Now they want to go coach for two hours. Yeah. It's a hard, it's a lot harder of a sell nowadays than it was uh, five years ago, 10 years ago. And I think that is another thing that adds to the cost basis because now you don't have parent volunteers now yeah. you have to pay coaches to come down and 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 coach. Yeah, it's hundred percent. I mean, even even to get a high school kid to come help out, he wants money. <laughs> so it's different times for sure. Um, so I would say like the three things. I mean, obviously, getting the fields was huge. Without the fields, we can't exist. And um, going to get, you know, I would say having being successful in my industry and, and having a situation I do financially to be able to take the risk to do this you know, it was huge because I went into it with, you know, spending all my own money. You know, we started with the first time I ever, you know, you and I did a, a free lacrosse clinic with, you know, down in, what was that? A uh, celebration with Maddie. Celebration. And, uh, she did the girls one. We did the boys one. They were at different fields and you're like, oh man, come help me. And I did it. And uh, of course, you know, always, but it was an unbelievable experience. I learned a lot. So about, much fun. So I, much that fun. My, that was really my first time interacting with kids. Um, you know, in like second, third, fourth grade, whatever, we had a slew of kids from second to sixth grade, whatever it was in that celebration area. And, um, you know, I took that model and I said, well, this is how I'm going to have to start my program. I need to, you know, I launched, I went and got the fields, put my own money into it. And we just did basically Saturday or Sunday after Saturday or Sunday, just market it, spending money on like Google marketing, Facebook advertising, you know, getting it out there, telling parents we did know to share it telling coaches to share it, you know, one through eight, come out, try lacrosse. And we just grinded it out. I mean, we went from, you know, I think our first one, we had eight kids down there in South Orlando. You know, we had no program. 
I had reserved a whole fall or winter or whatever season it was of fields. We had no program. I committed to playing the Orlando faceoff, paid for that with no program, you know, for, for a youth, uh, a U10 team and ended up going to other local rec programs and saying, Hey, can I borrow four kids? Cause ultimately we only had five local kids sign up to play. So I probably ate like two grand on that or three, grand, you know, but, yeah. but it was what it was. I said, you know, this is going to work out. We're going to keep grinding. We just kept doing it. And I think now, um, you know, with stags, I think we're probably in the spring, we'll probably be around 70 people, 60 something people, you know, and wow. the fall, we'll probably be close to 50. Um, wow. And how many think, now are you into it? Two, what's two how many years into and, it? So I, I think this will be, I think this fall, I think the winter will be our third winter. And I think this fall will be our second fall, something like yeah. that. Yeah. So, um, Cause we started in the winter, but uh, so yeah. So, so getting access to fields is, is definitely huge. Um, and then doing the free clinics and making things accessible. You know, we bought all those signature junior sticks from you. Um, Shout you out. Gave us a good discount on that too. I appreciate that. Um, that helped us have just sticks that we can, you know, get kids involved in the sport. So we had these kids showing up that never even heard of lacrosse. Um, you know, so we're putting sticks in hands, doing that, growing the program that way. So between that and finding field access, that was, you know, number one, most important thing. Um, number two, I guess goes in line with the assess- accessibility too, is, you know, I reached out to a lot of the high school programs and said, hey, if you guys have shafts, you know, that you old shafts, ask your team for old shafts, right? Because shafts are totally reusable, you know, especially if you're not a prima donna player yet, you know, you don't care what your shaft looks like. And then, um, you know, I, I bought the bullet and bought a bunch of heads. And, you know, we had, we have two guys, three guys in our program that are really good lacrosse stringers. So I buy all the mesh, they string them up. And um, for me, I think that's one of the signature things that we do different now that we're established, especially is day one, we get these kids that kind of show up, whether it's the free lacrosse clinic where they sign up and they show up, they show up with these just girls lacrosse sticks, basically. And yeah. they're so attached to it. They're like, oh, my uncle gave me this. He played with it in 1984. You know, yeah. and I'm like, man, yeah. your experience with lacrosse is not going to be great with that thing. You know, yeah. we'll, we'll yeah. take a stick. We give them a new one you know, at no cost, of course. And, and we just kind of make these handshake agreements like, hey, just return it when you're done. If you end up not liking this, return it. If you move on to high school, return it. Um, and same thing with the helmets. So we did like a helmet drive to the problem with helmets, obviously, is like safety. So there's only, you know, if you get 20 helmets, there's maybe like eight of them that we're actually going to hand out. The rest kind of go to trash. But um, so we buy the helmet. I buy helmets, too. You know, not all the time, but we just try to, especially the youth helmets, because those are harder to get loaned down. Yeah. But uh, so when parents sign up for the first time, you know, we try to make their entry costs a lot lower. So yeah. number one, we want to make sure they have a stick that they can catch and throw with, because I think the satisfaction of, I would say the satisfaction of actually being able to catch the ball and then throw it is so, so important. And, and then you see a kid on the reverse side where he's just, he's trying so hard. His focus is there. He's listening to coach. But he just cannot catch the ball. Cannot. And he's a good pass. athlete. And, and he's a good athlete. It's just literally the equipment he's using. Right. Nobody could be successful with. No one could be successful. Giving a kid a, a tennis racket with loose strings and telling him go learn how to play tennis. Good right. luck. So I would say that's probably my the number one thing I think we do different than than any other rec programs and any other programs that are introducing lacrosse is we make sure that the kids have the right 
you know, lacrosse stick equipment to use. So um, that makes a big, big difference for kids um, because they feel so defeated. Like you said, these athletes, and we've had some really good ones that have success in other sports off of pure athleticism. And then they're not having success here. And how do you, how does that kid mentally convince himself to grind it out with lacrosse when he's so much better at basketball or football and seeing it in lacrosse, you know? Um, Yeah. I remember vividly uh, the first time I picked up a stick, I immediately was like, I'm going to play goalie because that pocket is so deep and I can just put the ball in it and I can just run around and nobody can touch me. But like, if you don't know how to cradle, you can't use your God given athleticism because you're thinking about keeping the ball in the stick. So you're not even thinking about making your move or running fast. You're just looking at the stick. Like, please don't fall off. Please don't fall off. Please don't fall off. And so, yeah, that momentum really picks up when a kid has a piece of equipment that they can really use and and see some success with. Yeah. And then I'd say like the third signature thing for us, and and I would go back to, you know, my time with you and doing the free clinics is what I have to harp into the coaches at the youth level, which is, you know, for us is great. I consider our youth kids, you know, grades one through four, fifth and sixth, and definitely seventh and eighth. You know, we start to really be more of coaches and, and try to, raise men out there and, and teach them how to be good people and good men, but also the game of lacrosse. Um, fourth grade and down, you know, it's kind of like, hey, guys, we want this kid to love lacrosse because, you know, my opinion is as a rec coach in a rec program, like I get this kid for three to four hours a week. You know what I mean? If he doesn't like lacrosse, he's only going to play lacrosse three to four hours a week. Right. But if I get this kid to love lacrosse and he enjoys it, now he's going to go home. He's going to find friends. He's going to yeah. go. Play. And I get so many parents. I love it. when I, can't, I love it when they text me or they send me an email or send me someone on Instagram, like so-and-so is out there working, look at him. He just can't put his so stick cool. down, you know, and that's because of that, right? If that kid had a terrible experience yeah. and his parents were making him go, the last thing he's doing when he's getting home from school is picking up his stick. You yeah. know, so these kids that we get to love the sport, they show up each practice they get, they get better outside of practice, you know, practice is just getting them show up and we're, we're focusing on mechanics and we're just keep drilling them in for those youth kids. But, um, but yeah, that's, that's the biggest thing. And and what I love hearing is like the kid that's going home and asking his dad or his mom to have catch with him. That's never played the cross before. You know, it's like, that's you. So cool. So cool. Yeah. And a quick, uh, plug to miss Maddie, uh, who runs the, uh, the Palms program. She's been on the podcast. She's also my beautiful wife. Um, I will not, I'll never forget that, that free clinic. And I've done a lot of free clinics in my day, but that one in particular, we had such a long week and it's Saturday, it's Friday night. And Maddie reminds me that we got to get up at 5 a.m. to drive to Orlando to do this free clinic. <laughs> and she's like, are you ready? I'm like, fired up. Let's do it. And we get out there and there's like, I don't know, 20 kids maybe. And then all of a sudden you just see like another group of kids come and another group of kids come. And like, as parents are walking by, they're like, what's going on here? And we just had enough sticks to like get more kids out there. And I think by the end of it, we had like 30 or or 35 kids. And that season, um, we ended up with like 50 kids, which is crazy for a first year. Um, But yeah, that free clinic model and just making it all about having fun nothing else just like have fun and yep. if the coaches are having fun chances are the players are having fun if the players are having fun chances are the parents have a big old smile on their face yeah yeah for sure so um so i'd be like the three things um 
And then I guess we kind of tied in a lot of that stuff. I think the only thing I didn't really bring up so far about like just kind of the growth of Orlando and, and what has been something like very important to me would be like my college summer league that I run. I didn't yeah. get that, but, um, <laughs> but I, but I run this, you know, and, and, and you can attest to this as well. But when I first got up here in Orlando, there just wasn't, there was like Sunday pickup, but there really wasn't like a lacrosse scene in the college. And as I coached more and more, I knew all these kids that were currently playing college and I knew all these kids that were coming home from college. And, you know, some of them were wanting to play more lacrosse. So, you know, what we did, and I started this summer league and it's a seven on seven league. We play, it's unbelievably fun. And the talent level right now is huge. We've had kids in the past that, you know, would drive down from Jacksonville, Palm Coast. Kids would come from far away to come playing it because the talent level's there. And it's also so much fun. And we get sponsors. We keep it super low cost, which is important to me. But the main reason for that is to keep these kids in Central Florida kind of engaged and playing lacrosse and talking to each other because it helps when you grow at that level, you're going to grow at the young levels too. And yeah. you know, I remember you and I, you know, you come home from, and the kids here are no different, right? But you're coming home from college and you're just miserable. Like, God, man, New York, it's freezing. Like that was terrible. I go to this school where there's 2000 kids and, you know, 1500 of them are foreign exchange students. Yeah. It's like, yeah. man, yeah. it's tough experience when you're, when you grew up in Jupiter Palm beach area, you know, and, uh, the kids here in central Florida, it's the same thing. You come home, you're talking to your buddy that's at FSU or he's at UF and, oh man, I went to the sorority party having the time of my life. And, you know, when you're not talking to the kids that are going through the same stuff as you, you start to get curious and you're like, man, is this really for me? Do I really yeah. want to get it out and keep playing? And I think to me, curating that summer league was the most, has been like super beneficial to these kids. And it's the most important thing to me. That's why I do it. Because I think these kids having each other to kind of lean on and talk through stuff. And in between games, I hear them all talking and, and like, oh man, my coach sucks, this, that, and the other. But, you know, they're bonding over stuff and they're keeping that like lacrosse culture and like lacrosse yeah. family is so, it's such a big deal, right? And those connections will live with you for the rest of your life and you never know when you're going to need them, you know? It's so never, you never know. It's crazy. And, and having that community. Right. More coaches and more opportunities for more more youth. So, yeah, it's really, really cool how you've you've built not just a community at the youth level, not just a community at the middle school, high school level, but also at the college and post college level to really build an all around like or all around community and an ecosystem around the school. It's really cool. So. Talk to me real quick about the difference between putting a stick in a first year player's hand versus putting on a lead for like elite division one and pro yeah. college lacrosse players versus like winning a state championship. Sure. So I, I think probably may, maybe I'm one of a kind. I probably am one of a kind in, in the state, um, you know, maybe even beyond. Right. You know, where I'm coaching stags, doing these free clinics, introducing kids to lacrosse for the first time ever. And then you know, I was coaching Sweet Lax, you know, I, co- I run LCO, I coach, you know, our top or did coach our top LCO 24 black team this past year, um, coached up at Showtime, which, you know, is, is the number one showcase in the country where you know, every kid there is a division one kid, you know. So when you're at a place like that or, or, you know, obviously high school, we have the time to prepare a school like Lake Mary. I mean, last year, I think we had we probably last year on that roster 
you know, there's probably three or four kids that are going, you know, division one or, or have the ability to go division one, maybe, maybe five, you know, and then yeah. beyond, there's probably another seven or eight to 10 kids, you know, between all classes that will go on to play college lacrosse, you know? So when you're dealing with 17 kids that are capable of playing college lacrosse, you know, and you get time to prepare with them, it's like, you know, it's way different. You're, you're coaching, you know, 10 kids, how to do things and they all understand it. And, you know, I got my, my whiteboard back here. Um, For everybody listening in chat, Mr. Love here has the most incredible setup in his yeah. uh, office space here. Yeah. So I've, at my office, I've, I've got my TV uh, with the Apple TV set up there so I can stream stuff, get on huddle. Um, and then I've got the whiteboard back there. It's scaled um, for full field. Then on the backside, I got the half field, um, which allows me, you know, honestly, we can do film sessions remote with our kids and um, I can draw stuff up and do X's and O's and we can share screens and do that kind of stuff, um, which is really, really helpful at the elite level, you know, and, and I would say my experience at like Showtime, like, you know, we get an hour with the team we're coaching, you know, to go over what we want to do for five games in front of every college coach in the country, you know? So yeah. but when you're dealing with kids at that level, the things that they understand is like, you know, Hey, effort is always there. Focus is always there. Right. And their, their ability to know themselves and want to get their teammates better is all there. Like it, every box is checked hundred percent. So like if one kid gets it, three kids get it. And then now everyone gets it. So you can get into something and teach it super, super quick. Um, then obviously at a high level high school program, you know, you're getting stuff in, but you're also scouting and, and at that level too, it's just different. But then you get down to the youth level and it's like, all right, we still want to have success, but you know, we don't have six kids on the field that can catch and throw right now. And, and we're not going to be able to put in an elaborate clear because, you know, I, don't, I got one defenseman that could even pick up a ground ball right now because the other two just started playing last week. <laughs> so you deal yeah. with those things. Um, and I think at that, at that level, at all levels, at all levels, you know, I'm not the type of coach to really scream and undress people, but they're different conversations at the youth level. I think it's super supportive and, and try to first, you know, when I engage a youth kid is like, Make sure he understands I'm not mad at him, you know, because I think that's a very important thing. I think when kids get on the defensive, they can't learn, you know, or when kids think they're in trouble, it's hard for them to learn. So I think at the youth level, it's like, hey, let's engage him, talk to him first, make sure he's kind of coherent and, and able to learn and then learn, you know, teach, teach the whole time. And and that's similar at the high school level, except at the high school level, you might be able to actually say, hey, you were supposed to do this. Why did you do that? You know, because they actually know what they, they were supposed to do uh, most times. And, and, you know, I learned that we have Coach Dagnita, who's the Whip Snakes coach. You know, he's a legendary coach. Um, Whip Snakes is in the PLL for anyone that doesn't know, but he's the head coach. He works with us with LCO in the summers. And, you know, one of his big things is like, don't allow kids to do things wrong. Don't allow kids to make mistakes. And that sounds simple, but what he's getting at is like, you know, the kids that you like, as a coach sometimes, and you've experienced that, I'm sure you have this kid that just keeps doing something wrong. And it's to the point where you're just like, ah, all right, this is too much work almost it is the mentality, right? Maybe you're not telling yourself that, but that's the truth of what you're telling yourself. Right. And yeah. as a coach, your job is the coach. So if it takes 50 times of telling him like, Hey, you're doing this wrong, let's do it this way. Maybe, maybe adjust how you're telling him, maybe ask more, you know, Socrates method, ask him a question, you know, 
how should you have done this? But you can't give up on that kid. You got to keep grinding and keep reinforcing what he's supposed to do. I see it now more than ever where I have my youth kids and stags that like teaching them good habits early when they've only done a bad thing 10 times is a lot easier than getting a kid at, you know, the high school level that's done something wrong 5,000 times. And now how are we going to beat that out of them? Right. Do you think you can just tell him once that he did that wrong? And now all of a sudden that's going to fix the 5,000. No, you gotta, it's gotta be reinforced and reinforced and reinforced. And then eventually maybe you tell him a thousand times and it it outweighs the 5,000 and and he starts doing it right. So um, I think that's the biggest thing is, you know, know what you're doing as a coach, but once you know what you're doing, the youth address them kindly and, and get them coherent and then continue to coach them and never give up on coaching. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of, uh, you know, you can't pick your family. You can't pick the players that are going to index towards lacrosse. And when they do, it's your job to make it as fun as possible. Like you said, get them engaged and passionate about the sport and then coach them up. And I think one of the things that you said that just stands out to me is like mind blowing. And it's something that's, it's, it's talked a lot about at the leadership level and like at the company like the C-suite or a manager or somebody leading people, you got to meet people where they're at. You got to lead to the person. You don't just, I'm this kind of leader. And if you can't follow this kind of leader, you're not my person. Like you need to build a diverse team. Everybody thinks differently. And you as the leader have to adapt to the different ways people learn. And sometimes it's question-based. Sometimes it's goal-based. Sometimes it's, hey, here's exactly what you need to do. Just like lay it out. Sometimes it's visual. Sometimes it's verbal sometimes they got to watch their friend do it um sometimes you just got to go through it a couple times but yeah i think meeting them with love and like openness and kindness and not meeting them with like dude you're doing it wrong again like it's such a better approach and it's especially with this generation of kids even more so than our generation yeah they need they need teachers they need coaches they need parents to show up that way yeah i agree 100 percent Cool. Well, Mr. Chad, it's incredible what you're doing for, for the game of lacrosse. It's incredible what you're doing in Orlando and, and the greater Florida area. Um, how can some of our listeners and, and some of our viewers follow along with the story? Uh, well, we have an Instagram with Stags Lacrosse. Uh, um, so you can uh, look it up. It's it's the Stags Lacrosse Club on um, Instagram. And then LCO is, is Lacrosse Club Orlando. So you can look that up on Instagram, too. Um, give us a follow, reach out, um, give us, you know, your opinions. Hopefully we'll have the the podcast. We can clip up some stuff and throw it on there as well. Sponsors. Welcome. Sponsors. Welcome. Yes. Sponsors. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Investors. Right. Possibly you. Possibly you. All right, man. Well, Hey, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Um, we're so pumped about what you're doing for the game of lacrosse and uh, look forward to sharing this episode with all of our viewers. Yep. Love you, buddy. Go Gators. <laughs> Go Stags. <laughs> All right. See you, bro. Thank you for tuning in to the Signature Grow the Game podcast. We hope you found our conversation with our guests insightful and thought provoking. Don't forget to leave us a review and subscribe so that you never miss an episode. And of course, a big thanks to our title sponsor, Signature Athletics, for their continued support of this podcast and their dedication to making youth sports programs feel like the big leagues. Be sure to check out their game-changing Team Swag stores to elevate your program's look and feel. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Signature Grow the Game podcast.